Well, I very much appreciate that drama. I've got to tell you, it hits home for me. That thing rings true on so many levels. I grew up in an Italian family. Uh, any other Italian people out there who've got some of that in their, in their... Come on, nobody's raising... I'm not the only Italian in this room, I'm telling you right now. All right, okay. Beverly, yes, all right. And, and, and with it, uh, it comes some cultural traditions. Maybe this will ring home for you as well. Uh, some ways that things go down. And it is never more true than when you look at an Italian wedding. Uh, when, when Andrea and I first got engaged, I had no idea that this was a thing, but uh, my dad came to us. But my dad came to us and he said, at your wedding, there will be people, probably your non-Italian friends, who give you gifts, like tangible, usable gifts, like a blender or a toaster. And, and, and then there will be your Italian relatives and friends who give you cash. They will literally come to the wedding with an envelope and put cash in it. And uh, Chris and Andrea, what I need you to do, this is my dad, what I need you guys to do is write down exactly how much every single person gave you. I need you to keep a notebook where you write the name of the person, what they gave you, and if for some reason it wasn't cash, it was something off your registry, which to my dad, registry was a totally foreign concept. Nobody in his day went to Bed Bath & Beyond and got one of those scanner guns and walked around making a list of everything they need. Anyway, he said, if for some reason it isn't cash, I need you to write down the value. Like if you got one place setting of China, write down the exact cost of that place setting. Uh, of course, Andrea and I said, why? Uh, when we send thank you notes, we can just say thank you for the china, thank you for the blender, uh, thank you for the cash. We, we don't have to say thank you for the $49 blender. And, and my dad said, oh no, it's not for the thank you notes. There will come a day, you guys, when my sister's son Angelo gets married, or his brother Anthony, or my brother's son Joey, or my friend Vito's son. Those are the names of the people I grew up around. I'll just... <laughs> And my dad said, when any of those people get married, I'm going to call you and ask you what their parents gave you, and I will need to know exactly what they gave you so I can give the same amount. We said, Dad, that sounds terrible. That seems like a, a terrible way to give a gift, to keep a tally of what somebody gave you or, or, or your kids. And my dad said, nah, it's what we all do. We said, well, how long do we have to keep this notebook? He said, Forever. Uh, I'm sure we still have that notebook somewhere. Uh, well, I stand by what I said that day to my dad. I think it may not be the greatest way to give a gift because when you get a gift, don't you want to think that somebody gave you what they gave you because it was on their heart to give it? Not out of obligation, not out of reciprocity. Well, I, I bring it up today because this gift-giving thing, what we give, how much we give, why we give, it fits so well into the concept we've been discussing the past four weeks, the chicken and the pig contribution versus commitment. Uh, in fact, we have saved the passage that we're going to look at today for last because it might be the greatest moment in the Bible to help us identify which two of those things we are, the chicken or the pig. I, I can think of no passage better than this one to help you do that. Uh, but as I say it, I realize we haven't told the story of the chicken and the pig since weeks one and two, and there might be some of you who missed the first two weeks who are wondering what in the world this thing is all about. So, 30-second version, okay? Once upon a time, there were two good friends, a chicken and a pig, and they were walking down the street, and they came across a grocery store with a sign in the window that said, desperately needed eggs and bacon. The chicken turned to the pig, and they said, why don't we go in and help them out? We can give them exactly what they need. The pig said, absolutely not. No way. 
The chicken said, what is your deal? Why won't you do this with me? And the pig said, because for you, it's a contribution. But for me, it's my life. For you, giving eggs is a contribution. For me, it will cost me. Bacon will cost me my life. And what we said the first week of this series is that God calls us to give our lives, to be what the Bible calls living sacrifices. And the challenge that we've been putting before you every single week is to be asking yourself, am I a chicken, a contributor, or am I a pig? Somebody giving my life to God in any number of areas. Am I committed or am I just contributing when it comes to how I use my gifts and talents and serve people? Am I committed when it comes to doing life alongside people in a small group or, or do I just dabble every once in a while I get myself in community with some other Jesus followers? Am I committed to following Jesus with my whole life as a recipient of his grace? Or am I just a contributor by thinking I can somehow earn God's favor by doing enough good deeds? And we have one last area of commitment to talk about with you today as it gets close to the end of this chicken and pig thing. And I will tell you, this is closer to the chicken and pig thing than anything we have discussed so far. Jesus actually has an encounter that is so similar to this chicken and pig story that I want to read it with you right now before we do anything else, okay? It is in Luke 21, begins in verse 1. Let's just read it. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, let me try something kind of creative with you, all right? Let me reread this, and we're gonna just make a slight change to it up here, all right? As Jesus looked up, he saw the chickens putting their eggs into the grocery store. He also saw a pig put in a pound of thick-cut hickory-smoked bacon. Truly, I tell you, he said, this pig has put in more than all the others. All these chickens gave their eggs out of their wealth. They have a hen house full of eggs, but the pig put in herself everything. She gave her life. Jesus says to those who are listening that day, you can tell commitment from contribution by what you give to the temple or, or, or God. You can, you can tell it by looking at the gifts you give him. And I want to dive into this passage and talk to you about one last area of commitment today. Now, let me just stop and recognize, most of us feel a little bit weird about this topic. Whenever giving or, or money comes up in church, we get a little bit uh, uncomfortable. Trust me, it's not just you. I usually feel weird talking about money too. Uh, I felt weird sitting in your seat listening to somebody preach about it. I feel a little bit weird being the one who's preaching about it. Because there are all sorts of emotions that come up when giving or money is talked about in church. Sometimes people feel guilty. Oh, man, I, I should have given more. Sometimes people feel angry. Uh, if giving is taught poorly, sometimes people feel fear, like they think God is going to punish them for not giving at all or giving enough. Um, sometimes, sometimes people feel sadness. 
Because somebody taught them that they'll have more blessings from God if they just give more. And a person will look at their life and they'll see they're not blessed as much as some other people. And they'll say, I missed out because I screwed up. And they'll feel great sadness about choices they've made. So lots of emotions that come up when the topic of giving or money is brought up in church. And I want to tell you today, if we do this right, you will not feel any of those. In fact, I think what I'm going to talk about and share with you today will be incredibly freeing. Uh, what you'll see is we dive into this passage together. It's going to be freeing and challenging at the same time. Because, you ready? Let me give you the first bit of good news right now. It's going to make you feel way less weird and awkward and uncomfortable. Here it is. Uh, we've been talking about contribution versus commitment. We don't want to be mere contributors in following Jesus. We want to be living sacrifices committed. Well, here's the good news as we talk about giving and money. Commitment is not determined by the amount you give. Now, if you hear nothing else today, I want to make sure you've heard that. So, will you turn to someone sitting next to you, look them in the eye, and say, commitment is not determined by the amount you give. Try that, all right? Would you do that? The first thing that we learn from this passage we just read, this is not me. This is what the passage says, is when it comes to commitment, there is no threshold, there is no quantity, there is no number you have to reach that puts you in the pig category instead of the chicken category. Commitment is not determined by an amount. It's the first important truth out of the passage we're reading. Now, I'm going to give you three more as we go today to help you be more pig, less chicken, but, but let me just explain this first one a little bit by going back to Luke 21, all right? And let me... Let me set the scene. When this moment we just read happens in the book of Luke, Jesus is sitting, he's probably resting uh, in this colonnade part of the temple, which is kind of around the perimeter. It's a part of the temple that was open to women. Um, the entire temple was not open to women. And so part of how we know where Jesus is, is that there's a woman in this story, and it tells us that the rich are putting their gifts in the temple treasury. Now, the temple treasury was 13 boxes all along a wall. Boxes where people could go and drop in their money to make a donation. Um, 13 of these. They were shaped kind of like upside-down trumpets. Uh, a narrow little mouth on it, and you'd put your money in that part, and then it would kind of swell out below where all of the money would collect. Some of these boxes were marked with special inscriptions that told you where the money that went into that box was going to go. We are not exactly sure how all of this giving right here goes down in this story. It's likely that a group of pretty wealthy people who are all traveling together, they come to this part of the temple together to drop their offerings, but there's no doubt these people are less than discreet, right? It's very clear to everybody who's watching the amount that these wealthy people are giving. In fact, the, the, the fact that Jesus comments on it lets us know these people wanted others to see how much they gave. They are proud of the amount. Now, real quick, I don't know if you're a giver or not, but, but here's just a truth I've noticed about us. One of the things we tend to do is we compare ourselves to other people in every area, every area. And while we have no idea what other people gave usually, right, in our family, our friends, or people we go to church with, while we have no idea, it wouldn't surprise me if we think about the amount that we give. And then we kind of do a quick, all right, well, how's my amount compared to other people? I don't know what they give, but I'm going to guess that my amount is probably average, or maybe it's a little bit more than the average person gives. Hopefully I'm not giving a little bit less. 
while we don't make a show of the amount today in our world, in our society, in our church, we don't make a show like the people in the story, my guess is we're all very conscious of the amount. Well, Jesus says while her amount was lower, this widow put in more than all the others. And, and this is why the first truth that should be incredibly freeing for us today, commitment is not determined by the amount that you give. Okay, think about that. That makes no sense in our world. Um, when I go see a play at the theater and on the program, I get when I walk in the playbill while I'm waiting for the show to start. What do I see? A list of everybody who's given and how much they gave, right? What category they're in. When I go to a theater and I look on the wall, it has a donor wall, right? And there's the, the 1,000 plus donors. And then here's the people who are the, the 2,500 plus donors. And here's the $25,000 producers circle donors. Because we recognize in our world that the ones who gave the largest amounts are the most committed. But Jesus says no. The widow put in more. And here's what this means. The offerings of God's people are not measured by quantity, but by the heart of faith that pours them out. Whether you give $2 or you give $2 million, it is not about the quantity. God is not concerned about the dollar amount that goes into the offering box, which, by the way, is probably a terrible thing for me to tell you as a pastor who's trying to keep his church afloat. God is not more pleased or more glorified by a larger gift versus a smaller one. Now, don't get me wrong. He is pleased by our gifts, but not the amount. It's about something else, and we're going to get to that something else in a minute. But to get there, let's talk about the widow. A widow in Jesus' culture would have been just utterly destitute. Okay? She had no husband. Uh, to be a widow in their culture, at least as it's referred to here, meant that she had no adult children to take care of her. So when the Bible talks about the least of these, widows were included. In fact, they may be the least of the least of these. The widow that Jesus sees, and remember, this is not a parable in the Bible. This is an actual thing that is happening right in front of Jesus. The widow likely has what she has financially because of charity. Somebody has given her these two small copper coins. If your husband had passed away and, and you didn't have adult kids to take care of you, you were left at the mercy of charity from others in their society. Somebody coming along and say, here, go buy yourself some food. Here, pay your rent. And, and do you know what these two small coins would have amounted to in their culture? 1% of a day's wages. 1% of what a normal person would have made in one day. That is not much. That is not much. That is not going to help the temple budget, right? Uh, that amount probably isn't going to help God all that much. Uh, there's not a lot that God's going to do with 1% of a day's wage. Yes, he took two small fish and five loaves of bread and turned them into something, but... There's no Bible story about turning two copper coins into two more copper coins and then into two more, right? Nothing like that. Yet the woman gives the coins and Jesus commends her for it. And here is the second truth. Here's the second truth. You don't need to wait to have more to honor God with your giving. You may not have a lot, but if it's not about amount, then having a smaller amount should not hold you back from giving to God. You don't need to wait to have more. Now, can I, let's just pause on that one, because I, I think that this truth is meant to speak to, to one of two things that most of us feel at any given moment, all right? There are some of us here who think, I don't have much to give, so why give it all? 
Because I doubt my little amount's going to make a big difference. Someday, when I have more, that's when I'll start to give to God. Okay, this truth is for you. You don't need to wait to have more. Why? Because God's not concerned about the amount. It's not about the amount. But there's a second thing in a different group of us right now, and this truth speaks to the second thing. Here's the second thing. I can't afford to give. I mean, come on. Have you seen the price of gas lately? You know what a mortgage costs in the Bay Area? Or what it costs to keep kids fed and clothed and to pay for all their soccer and hockey and kids' activities? I, I live in one of the most expensive areas of the world, we think. And right now, I need what I make or what I have to make a difference in someone's life. Mine, my life, my family's lives. And yes, someday I will give. I will give when I make more, when I have more. I'll tell you, uh, when Andrea and I were first offered uh, a job here at Crosswinds, we were living in Las Vegas. We had one daughter, uh, Quinn, who was four at the time. Andrea was pregnant with our second. And we sat down to do the math. Could we afford to live in the Bay Area with what Crosswinds was going to pay me? And with her not working right away, because the church was not hiring Andrea, even though she's a far more gifted pastor than me, they were hiring me. And, and she was about to have a baby, so it was going to be a little while until she found a job. So we sat down to discuss, could we afford the move? And we said, maybe, barely. We'll have to cut coupons for groceries. Have you seen that extreme couponing show? That was us. And we're going to have to do a lot of staycationing. And I will ride my bike to work as much as possible. And then we came to the part of our budget where it came time to decide how much we would give. It would have been so easy to say, eh, let's do that later. When you're working again, when Crosswind maybe gives me like a raise someday, when we have more money. And I will just say for me, for Andrea, uh, the decision we made that day, and, and really it's a decision you make every paycheck, the decision to give, even when we did not have more money, was the best decision we ever made. To structure our budget around giving what we did have, rather than to say, we don't have a lot, so what, we, what we'll do is when we're done spending, what we have left, that's what we'll give. Okay, this is the second truth you got to know. When you are committed, not just a contributor, you don't wait to have more to honor God with your giving. Now, there's a problem with this story, isn't there? We haven't talked about this yet. The problem is, this woman who had very little, almost nothing, the problem is she gave it all. She had two small coins, she gave them both. She gave everything. Why not put one in the offering, keep one for yourself? Why not take the two coins, find a way to make them earn you two more coins, and give that? Is Jesus telling you and me and his followers listening that day, the only way to be a pig instead of a chicken is to give all your money? And I can just think, see you thinking, sure, Chris, you say that it's not about an amount because it's about a percentage. You're going to tell us to give 100% of your money. But actually, that's not what Jesus says. I want you to look again at the end of the passage. This is verse 4. Take a look. He says, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in, would you read this line with me? All she had to live on. All she had to live on. Okay, that means something very significant. Remember what I told you, widows were at the mercy of gifts from others. Charity to be able to live. These two coins, they are her security. They are all she has to live on. Now, this does not mean she will now go off and die because she's given away all of her money. 
It means that she is trusting God that he is going to be providing more to live on. When Jesus said she put in all she had to live on, what Jesus was saying is she is putting her trust in God rather than her money. God, I'm going to give you these two coins, all I've got to live on, because I know that you will provide two more coins tomorrow. And the good news that should be freeing for you today is that the takeaway from the story is not to always give all your money, although for some of you it might be, but this takeaway is that a gift to God is meant to leave you placing yourself and your security in God's hands. Gifts to God are meant to put your security in his hands instead of in your wallet. Every time you give, it's meant to be a moment of trust. God, I am giving up what secures me, and I'm putting myself in your hands. See, it's not about amount, right? We established that. It's about whether your gift expresses confidence in God providing for you. And let me ask you a question. How would you know? How do you know that, that your gift expresses confidence that God is going to need to provide for you? Okay, the way that you know is cost. What does it cost you? What does this gift cost you? The wealthy who gave lots in this story, it cost them nothing. The widow, it cost a lot. Okay, third truth. Commitment is not determined by the amount. We said that up front. Commitment is determined by what it costs you. Let's talk about that. Just personally, in our family, we tithe. Uh, what I mean by that, we give 10% of our income to God uh, in our giving to Crosswinds. That's what tithe means, 10%. And, and the reason that we do that in our family, because uh, as Andrea and I have looked at the Bible, that's what God seems to instruct his followers to do. Actually, in the earlier church, uh, they gave beyond 10%, above 10%. And so we we try to do that too. We give to Goodness Village. Uh, we give to that last mile delivery thing we talked about here a while back. We give to Mount Hermon, this, this camp that we love, our family loves. And, and genuinely, I don't say that uh, to say, look at me, look at what I give. Um, it is not lost on me that this story is about people who are saying, look at what I give. Uh, I'm telling you this because I think it's good for you to know that I would not be standing here encouraging you to do something that I am not doing myself. And, and you know, the other truth, we are also private with our finances. Um, maybe it helps to hear from somebody who's not rolling in money that it's possible to actually do what we're talking about today. Uh, anyway, so let me just talk about cost personally. I know the cost of giving. I feel that cost. Um, we're budgeters in our house. We have it all figured out ahead of time where we're going to put our money, where it's going to go. And when we get close to the end of the month and I sit down to look at our expenses on our spreadsheets and I, I see that we're going to go over in one of our budget categories, uh, say like our, our food budget, you know, too much eating out, uh, too much Starbucks, I know that I could dip into our giving budget that month and real quickly fix the food budget problem real quick, right? But I have to say no, because my giving is a commitment. It's not a contribution. It's not what I have left over. It is a commitment. So the cost of giving means that there are things that I'm not doing that I would do, that I could do were I not a giver or were I giving less. Um, we've got a kid that, that is going to college, right, soon, and uh, I see the astronomical amount that schools are charging, and I think, she's going to have to take out some student loans. Who am I kidding? I am going to be taking out student loans. And then I think, okay, wait, wait, we could avoid those loans if we gave less and we put more towards college. 
that's when I know my giving costs something. It's costing me something. Or when I sit down and I think through retirement, uh, I know that I'm a little ways away, but I'm, I, I'm putting something away for retirement. I hope you are too. And, and I start to do the math and I realize I could live a way better life in 20 years if I invest more than I'm investing right now. If I took a chunk away from what I give over here and instead I add that to my savings and investments, oh my gosh, we would be so set. Oh wait, now I know the cost of my giving. You know that you can calculate the cost, right? Cost is not always about what it costs you right now. Sometimes it's about what it costs you over time. Um, let me try something with you, okay? We'll just have a little bit of fun with math here. The average household income in Livermore, household income, household, is $151,000 a year. In Pleasanton, it's $192,000. In Dublin, it's $114,000. Let's just kind of average those $152,000. Now, I know many of your households make way less than that. Many of them make way more than that, but just hang with me here for the sake of the math, all right? If you were to tie, we say tithe, if you, that means 10%. If you were to give 10% or, or 15200 every year, you were to give that to God or, or what amounts to 1267 a month, do you know what that would cost you? We're talking about cost. What could you buy if you had an additional $15,000 a year instead of giving it? What house would you live in? What car would you drive if you had that? Where would you go? That is the cost. Check this out. Let's say you're 35 years old here, and you had $1 right now in retirement. That's it, $1. And instead of giving, you invested that $1,267 a month into your retirement. For the next 30 years, instead of giving $1,267, you invested for you that $1,267 every month. Okay, if you earned a measly 5% over 30 years, 5%, at 5%, you would have a million dollars, actually $1,058,000. You can calculate the cost. That is the cost of your giving. What crazy person is going to pass up a million dollars to be able to give 10% of their income to God? A committed person. Actually, you want to see something? If instead of 1267, 10%, you gave 200 a month, you want to know what it would cost you? 167,000. And, and, and if you're making an average 152000 as a household in Tri-Valley, I would argue this is the difference between bacon and eggs. One is a contribution over 30 years. It doesn't cost you that much. The other, you feel it. Life is different because of it. It changes you. Your life will be different because giving costs you something. But can I tell you, your life will be different. Because giving costs you something. As you live into sacrifice, God changes something in you. In your relationship with him, it changes. You begin to live full of trust and dependence. Remember, this is Jesus' point. The widow gave all she had to live on, which put herself in the hands of God. All right, some of you are geeking out on this stuff. Most of you are going, did I just walk into a financial seminar right now? What is happening? <laughs> Listen, every gift is costing something. The question is, is yours costing you a nice dinner out each month, or is it costing you something significant? The third truth, your commitment, it's not determined by the amount you give, what it costs you. The value of a, of a gift is determined by what it costs 
the giver. All right, let me give you the last truth. I, I hope that it's not been lost on you that Jesus makes these remarks, that, that the woman is giving all she has to live on right when he's about to give up his life. In 2 Corinthians 8, I want to read this to you. Paul writes this. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The ultimate gift given to you so that you might have eternal life, you might have a relationship with the God of the universe. You might have a heaven full of splendor in every wonderful thing. Those gifts to you cost him something. It cost him his life. And I tell you that because here's the fourth truth out of this moment where Jesus sees a woman who, even though she does not have much, gives something that costs her. The fourth truth, a giving Savior ought to have giving followers. If you have experienced the wonderful, costly grace of God, you know how important it is to respond as a giver yourself. I, I want to ask you today, would you think about whether you are bacon or eggs when it comes to how you give to God, whether you're a contributor or you're committed with your life? There is no amount that I can tell you that explains where the bar is because it's not about an amount. It's about what it costs you, and neither I or anybody else can tell you what your giving costs you. Only you know what it costs you. What I'm challenging you to do is to sit down and calculate the cost. Think and calculate. And would you listen for if God might be calling you to do something differently? Okay, as we close this series, you know, we have covered a lot. And, and what this whole thing keeps coming back to is commitment, right? Are we giving our lives as we follow Jesus? Are we giving our whole hearts or are we giving little parts of ourselves? A little bit here, a little bit there. And Derek has been teaching us a new song about giving our lives and giving our hearts and giving everything. And I know it is so easy to sing the words. It is another thing to actually do it. But I also know that doing it begins sometimes with words of commitment, like saying to God, I'm doing it. I'm in, God, I'm all in. And so as we close this series and, and you've been challenged to really commit yourselves to him, I want Derek to lead us in this song one more time and let it be more than a song, but a prayer from us and a pledge from us. So would you stand with me and, and let's sing as Derek leads.